Welcome to The Sunday Soother, a podcast, newsletter, and community about authentic living and compassionate personal development. I'm your host, Katherine Andrews, a life coach, online teacher, and writer focused on self-reflection, mindfulness, and how to create meaning in our everyday lives in practical ways. Join me weekly for conversations about personal growth, spirituality, self-discovery, and self-care, and how we can navigate this messy world with hope and humanity. Hey, everybody, it's Catherine. Welcome back to the Sunday Soother podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about all things inner critic. I have to say this is probably one of the most prevalent topics that is challenging to my audience, my community, my clients, myself, the world at large. (laughs) Um, You know, most of us struggle with a pretty significant inner critic. And the ways that we try to go about kind of getting rid of this inner critic, I just don't really think they work. At least they never really worked for me. And I wanted to detail for you my experience with my inner critic, my journey with discovery around my inner critic, kind of how it sounded for me, how sneaky it was in a lot of ways, actually, which I think is kind of important for many of us to know. Um, And then what I did do that actually began to have a a lasting effect on on healing and quieting my inner critic. And I don't think it is what you might think. because we're taught a lot of different ways of trying to get rid of the inner critic and none of them really ever worked for me. So I wanted to tell you the story about what did work for me. And I'm doing this in honor of a workshop that I'm hosting coming up on February 27th. It's called How to Heal Your Inner Critic. Um, Through this two-hour workshop, I'm going to lead you through live exercises, teachings, ritual, and ceremony um, to do the kind of work that I have done on myself um, with, with my teachers, with my mentors, with myself that has significantly and actually sustainably healed my inner critic and quieted that, you know, mean and nasty critical voice in our heads. So it's on February 27th. It's at 7 PM and there is a replay if you can't attend live. Um, it is $77 right now for tickets and it goes up tomorrow. So February 21st, it goes up off early bird price to $99. Um, I hope you'll join us. It is a really powerful, uh, workshop. I, I have used this workshop on, um, previous clients and in my Soothe Mastermind, this is something that I did for them in uh, in January because we were kind of, we were working on goals and inner critics on that month. And for them, it was, I know for many of them, it was a really transformative experience that really loosened the edges of their inner critic and allowed them to move forwards meaningfully towards goals that previously the inner critic was like, nah, that's not happening. You're a loser. <laughs> you could never do this thing. And I wanted to offer it at a wider scale too, because I think it's so impactful, kind of the way that this work unfolds. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you a little bit of my inner critic story, and then I'm going to describe the workshop a little bit too. And so you're getting some context and understanding about if you choose to sign up for the workshop, what you um, what will be happening for you, right? So the tickets for that are in the show notes. And I'm also a couple of other things. New moon journal circles are back. Um, I am going to be relaunching my monthly new moon journal circles. If you're new to the podcast or new to me, um, these were circles that I offered every month on the new moon. Um, We would gather in community and do some guided meditation, um, some live journaling and sharing with each other. And I would pull tarot cards for everybody at the end. And it's just like a really beautiful thing to do once a month to gather in community. Um, This upcoming one will be Wednesday, March 2nd 
at 7 p.m. Eastern and tickets are $11 and those are in my show notes as well. And there will be a replay provided. So, so you always all know I always provide replays for all of my workshops because I have, I think, a growing international audience. I know I have a lot of people in India and Australia. Um, so shout out to you guys. And you know, these, I can't always host it at a time that will work for everybody, especially because the, the um, base of my audience is the United States, but I do always provide replays so that you can still, even if you can't make it live, you can still access some of the teachings and um, the stuff that I'm doing, because that's really important to me too. So anyways, bunch of links in the show notes. Oh, and also the waitlist for my intentional introduction to intentional dating class is open too. And that is going to be opening for enrollment in April. There's already like well over 50 people on that waitlist. And I would get on there because I'm going to be offering uh, waitlist exclusive discounts for the dating course when it enrolls. And I also I think I mentioned last week, I found out somebody got engaged to take my course. I found out about another person who got engaged. <laughs> Not that engagement is like the be all end all goal of the dating course. But it's still pretty cool. So I was really excited to hear those things. Okay, so let's move on to the inner critic. Okay, so what I want to do even just first of all is define the inner critic, right? And this is like, there's not a hard and fast rule of what is exactly the inner critic. But what I believe it to be is um, it's, it's a part of us that judges and demeans us and possibly judges and demeans other people. And you probably experience it as some kind of inner voice, which will attack you and your efforts. Um, it might say stuff like you're bad, you're, you shouldn't bother, you don't have the right to do things, it will make you feel guilty, um, it'll make you feel ashamed, um, it'll cause you self-doubt and undermine your self-confidence. And the effect of, of an inner critic like this, this, this part in you, which manifests as a voice in your head saying cruel things about you um, when you go after things that you care about, um, it manifests as holding you back in your life, right? Like, even though it's not a real person, and it's not like a monster in front of us, like, and there's not a literal physical threat with the inner critic, it certainly absolutely can feel like there is. And so it can be as debilitating as any external threat, because the inner critic can be so harsh, so seductive, and so powerful, that even though it's literally just a voice in your head, it can stop you from doing the things that you care about, right? And so this was definitely my story. So it may surprise you to hear that though I work so significantly with the inner critic now, um, I really truly did not understand that I had an inner critic until my late 30s. And my inner critic in particular was very sneaky. And I'm going to show you some ways in which my inner critic was very sneaky. But um, the reason I I, I uh, discovered that I had an inner critic was, this is like kind of before what what you may call an awakening, right? When you kind of become really conscious to yourself, to your patterns, to the ways in which you're acting in your life that aren't serving you, um, to, to, to everything that kind of you're doing that may be self-sabotaging you, some truths about yourself that you hadn't really let yourself see. So, but pre-awakening was before I did my coaching certification with an organization called New Ventures West. And as part of that year-long cert- coaching certification, we had mentor calls with faculty, um, probably like once a month, once every two months. And I had an incredible mentor um, named Nita, Nita Bactitis. And I've worked with her as a coach since, and she's incredible. 
And one day we were on a call and she was like, uh, <laughs> she's like, have you read this book called Soul Without Shame? It's on your reading list for our course. And I think you might want to read that book first. I don't remember what I was talking about, but clearly Nita saw something where she was like, this girl needs, <laughs> needs help. <laughs> and um, I was like, sure, I love to read, you know, and I'm an eager student and, you know, want to be like the best student. So I read this book, Soul Without Shame. Um, I already can't forget, I, I can't remember the the author's name, but this book like blew my mind wide open about the fact that I had an inner critic. I just highly recommend you go read it. It's kind of dense and a little bit cheesy. It's like, you know, it's a self-help tome. Um, there's spiritual bent to it, but the way in which the author presented what the inner critic is and how it manifests. And he gives um, hypothetical examples of of stories in between chapters too that show you how it can manifest in a life. I was just like, oh my God, I have a huge inner critic. Like I have an inner critic, like the biggest inner critic that anybody's ever had <laughs> was kind of what I came away from reading that book thinking. And then I was like, well, I'm going to fucking crush this thing. Like, I got to be the best. I got to get rid of my inner critic super fast. <laughs> so why? So many of you out there know you have an inner critic, right? And you're aware of this inner critic. This voice is very pervasive. It may cause you to doubt yourself. It may say mean things about your efforts, about the way you look, about things that you put into the world, about ways you interacted with other people. I had an inner critic that was like so smart that it just, it didn't say like, you suck. It didn't say you're ugly or dumb or, you know, those people thought you you were stupid and you never should have said those things. Um my inner critic wasn't this direct voice saying you're awful, but my inner critic was a logical voice and very improvement oriented. And what it told me all the time is I should be doing a bunch of different things and also that I had to be the best at a bunch of different uh, things. It also often guessed what other people were thinking of me. Um, in a way that also kind of sounded logical, not super nasty or anything. But here are a few examples of how these things came up. So one way my inner critic would come up was I would occasionally have dinner parties. And if, I mean, this is kind of, it's pretty silly, but this is what was happening. If um, the people didn't seem to just like totally fawn over my cooking, my inner critic would be like, you didn't cook as well as you could have cooked. We've got to figure out recipes next time to make sure this is the best dinner party that anybody's ever been to. <laughs> so right there, you can see how it seemed like it was improvement oriented and it seemed like it was encouraging me to be the best. But instead, it kind of was like this taskmaster that was like not allowing me to enjoy the present moment and not allowing me to, you know, who cares if I put out like, an average meal, like just enjoy the time with my friends and the, and the laughs and all that kind of stuff. It was always like obsessed with improvement and obsessed with proving that I was the best in anything. So with friends, dinner parties, that was one way it came out. Another way my inner critic came out was when I started this podcast. I, so I, I don't even know how long my podcast has been going, if two to three years at least. And 
the inner critic, I, I, I couldn't start for months on this podcast. I, I thought about it all the time. I, I so badly wanted to do it. But my inner critic said, well, unless you can guarantee that this is going to be like in the top 100 the day it launches, you probably shouldn't do this podcast. Unless you can guarantee that thousands of people are going to be listening right away and are really going to be impacted and helped and think it's a really good podcast, then probably you shouldn't do the podcast. So then I didn't do the podcast for like months because I knew that like it wasn't going to be in the top 100. Like I was just a lady with a cheap mic off of Amazon, right? Like and some ideas. I wasn't gonna, you know, I wasn't like Pod Save America or something just like blowing onto the scene. Um, And so my inner critic kept me from doing the podcast, not because it didn't say stuff like you have nothing to say, or you're not smart enough to do a podcast. The inner critic was like, you have to be the best podcaster and it has to be like number one. And so it kept me from doing stuff on Workfront that way. And then this is also the same with my business, you know, and so here you can kind of see the link between the inner critic and perfectionism. Um, I didn't start my business because right away I couldn't see to the end of, of how it could be successful. And my inner critic said, well, we can't start your business unless you can immediately be replacing your corporate salary, unless you are immediately recognized as like an impactful and successful life coach. We can't start it unless you know exactly how to do the finances and your taxes for your coaching business, right? And so this is how my inner critic presented. Um, it never showed up again, like kind of the classic interpretation of an inner critic where a part of you is manifesting as a voice in your head saying very nasty things. It showed up as this like seemingly kind of like logical and sort of improvement oriented and encouraging voice that was like, everything you do has to be the best. And if it can't be the best, then I guess you probably shouldn't do it. Oh, well. And so (laughs) That was why it was so hard for me to recognize for such a long time that I I had such a loud, such a wounded, such a significant inner critic. So I just wanted to offer that in case you resonate with that too. Because I think this is a way in which our inner critics show up that we're not really, we don't really think about, right? We think about it in this in the typical thing of like the mean voice attacking ourselves. But I think it can show up in a lot of different ways, um, preventing us from moving forward on our dreams. So Anyways, after I read Soul Without Shame and Nita, my coach, had been like, uh, girl, (laughs) you might have an inner critic. Again, the inner critic showed up and sneakily and was like, well, now we are perfectly going to eradicate the inner critic completely. (laughs) And so I, you know, I went to work, I went to town, I was like, I will begin journaling. I will begin meditating. When the um when the mean things come that I now realize as kind of mean and holding me back, I will choose not to listen to them. I will say affirmations, right? Um, <clears throat> I will acknowledge that these voices are not my voices. These are the voices from childhood, right? Kind of like all the typical things that you might hear, um, you know, done to combat the inner critic, right? And sometimes these tactics can can work, right? And I've tried them all. And I I get where they come from. Um, If we look at the inner critic as like a negative voice that's kind of infested our brains, maybe it's been there for a really long time. The the rational and reasonable way to try to deal with it would be like, I'm going to exterminate these things. I'm going to 
extract these things. I'm going to rid myself of these things, right, of this voice. And unfortunately, I just have never actually had that work. Um, And sometimes it would be like, it would give me more self-awareness to understand like which voice was my inner critic. Um, But it would never, like those tactics would never actually help quiet the voice itself. Like the voice would still be as as strong as ever. Now I got better in the meantime at choosing not to listen to the voice, which was also a thing you can do, right? But it still kind of sucks to be building your business or, you know, trying to date or whatever one is trying to do. And a loud voice in your head is telling you all the reasons you shouldn't do those things. You know, it makes the experience more difficult. So I was still, though I was like doing all of these other tactics, which sort of helped a little bit, gave me better self-awareness, though I was choosing not to listen to and not act for my inner critic, I still had these voices, right, that were telling me I needed to be the best, I needed to improve 100 times more than was reasonable to expect. And that was still a painful experience to try to be going after things that I desired and still have this voice in my head. So... What happened that actually really helped me heal my inner critic? Well, what happened to me is I got into a variety of um, modalities that were truly healing for me overall and had the effect of healing more strongly, more deeply my inner critic. Primarily, the modalities that I got into were shadow work, inner child work, and parts work. And parts work is kind of an umbrella under which I would consider inner child and shadow work falling. So I'm going to tell you um, a little bit about the concept of parts work. Um, parts work is is the concept, the psychological concept that we are made up of a multitude of parts of our personality. And that's totally normal. It's not like having um, multiple personality disorder or anything like that. It's simply the recognition that humans are a multiplicity of parts. And we all know this intuitively, right? Like we have parts that want to do things, parts that don't want to do things. Um, parts that are scared, parts that are confident, parts that are judgmental and critical, right? And parts that are kind and loving and compassionate. And probably the most famous um, example of parts work is a system called internal family systems, which I've talked about a few times here and there, um, which was developed by a a man named Dick Schwartz. And he's got lots of books and resources about internal family systems that you can read. But he was a family therapist. And in family therapy, from what I understand, you're often learning how to deal with the systems in the family, right? There's maybe two parents, maybe three kids, and you're under and maybe there's like a cousin or an aunt in the picture or whatever, too. And you're trying your best to understand the systems that are at play amongst all of those people, and how they are um, affecting the, the person who is in therapy, right? And when um, Schwartz started working with a, a different variety of patients, he started to realize that people had systems inside of themselves too that were very similar to these external family systems. So you and your family and your dynamic, you may have like, you know, three to six people in a family dynamic. And he started to realize that there were dozens of parts internal to his patients too that acted as if they were like a big old family just interacting with each other. And there are tons of different kinds of these parts that are in our personalities. There are um, there are parts that are critical and protective. Um, there are parts that are wounded and they're called exiles. Um, there are parts that are over-functioners that kind of try to hold everything together. 
Um, and there are parts of us that are beautiful too, right? Like our true selves, our true, compassionate, creative, confident, calm selves. So when I started to do parts work and particularly inner child work, I really had an awakening. And what I started to realize was that my inner critic was my terrified inner child. And, um, I'm smiling because she's so smart. She used the tactics that would get to me, which would be about like self-improvement and being the best and like wanting to, um, you know, make everything as good as possible instead of like a nasty voice, really, because a nasty voice might not have worked on me. Um, and this is what I mean is that this is my belief, right? And so like, you can take what serves you, leave the rest. And this is just something I found extremely effective for me and my clients is viewing the inner critic through the lens of the fearful inner child. And what I, what I mean by this is I think the inner critic is your inner child because your inner child at some point in their lives was wounded in a significant way that showed them that it wasn't safe to be themselves. It wasn't safe to be vulnerable. It wasn't safe to present their heart or work to the world because it was going to be criticized, right? So there was probably one significant wounding experience that really taught you this. And as a child, you don't have the subtlety or the context-making abilities to understand what's really going on. So if one teacher criticizes you in front of your classmates, um, you're going to not say like, well, that teacher is sort of a doofus and this doesn't really matter. And maybe my teacher was having a bad day and in a bad mood. And I know that actually like, I'm pretty smart. I have all of this other evidence. Your little tender nervous system is going to take that hit really deeply. And you're going to say to yourself, because children think in such black and white ways, you're going to say to yourself, this is true. And I am wrong. And I am bad in this area. And then what you're going to do from there is just build a life around that belief. And as a wounded inner child, this part that's inside of you, um, it's going to do everything it can to prevent you from re-entering situations that are going to remind it of that time that it was hurt. And that's where I think the inner child voice morphs into the inner critic voice. So I think the inner critic voice is the voice of the fearful inner child who is doing its dang best, its most creative efforts to prevent you from making meaningful change in the world or from doing things, desires that are on your heart, but that may, you know, make you more visible, that may lead to some judgment, that may lead to possible criticism or failure. So once I recognize that... I was like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. And when you're also doing parts work and inner child work, a big part of what you're doing to heal those fearful or scared parts, those wounded or exiled parts, is you're helping to do what is called unburdening them. So you are listening to and validating their fears. And then you're explaining how you, your adult self, is going to manage those fears and how it's not that little kid's part's job any longer to do this. So when I do my workshop and then the work I've done, um, it's going to go in a very particular way. So I adapted this workshop from the teachings of Maggie Reyes, who is a life coach that I also worked with um, last year. What is time? This year, last year. Who's an incredible And 
Um, and then I've incorporated some of my own like inner child shadow work and parts work and compassion and journaling tactics to it as well. But I'm going to give you an example of how she led this workshop and how it had an effect on my inner child part um, and how it helped her become less critical so that I could move forward towards this desire. So this this workshop and, and the way that I'll be hosting the workshop as well is a little bit of a ritual and you're getting in touch with these parts of yourself. So I had a particular goal that I was working towards. It was a goal of being less judgmental and critical of those around me. And the way that the that Maggie walked us through it was getting in touch with the young part around who felt responsible for this goal. And so we do this through a bit of ceremony, and this is what I'll be doing for you too. Um, we kind of call her forward. And when we did that, I came in immediate and clear touch with um, about my 15-year-old part. I can see her clearly right now. She's wearing this gray flannel that she really liked and chucks <laughs> and jeans. It's very grunge when I was about that age. And um, she's like, a she's like, adapting this very like sullen and emo kind of way of being. And we get in touch with this part. And what I'll have you be doing when you get in touch with this part is doing some journaling from her and some letter writing too. And my 15 year old part was like sullen and critical and like, whatever, everybody sucks. Um, and she she was like feeling really responsible for keeping me safe via her like sullen judgment and critical um, ways of being towards everybody else. And when I was doing these journaling exercises, I got more in touch with her and I, I realized like what was going on around that time? Well, she had been rejected from the magnet high school that all of my middle school friends got into. She was alone in a new high school where she didn't really have any friends. Her mom had just been diagnosed with breast cancer, pretty advanced breast cancer, which was like very terrifying for her. And so she had developed this way of being safe, which is to be kind of like the sullen, emo, critical, judgmental person. Cause it was like, she was trying to be cool. She was trying to, you know, keep her tender heart safe and, you know, and she was very prominent in adult me. And so it was showing up in me as being like kind of judgmental and like mocking and critical of other people. So we got in touch with this part and then we worked to bring in a different wiser adult part of myself that was then going to take over um, this burden from young 15 year old Catherine. So there's some more ceremonial aspects to it. And the part that came through, and I'll, I'll explain this a little bit more too, because it's kind of like, you might be like, what are you talking about, Catherine? Like you bring forward these parts. It's, I'll, I'll show you how the workshop is going to go in a minute, but um, I'll tell the story first. So I brought forth this adult part and she was an earth mama hippie, <laughs> which was so funny because it's not like, if you've met me, that's not totally who I am. It's not like super far from who I am, but I'm kind of like a buttoned up Capricorn. Um, but this woman came in, she was older. She was very hippie-ish. She was smoking a lot of weed <laughs> and she, she unburdened this young part. They met and exchanged dialogue and words through journaling. And my young part felt so relieved that this, that this earth mama wise adult kind of hippie woman was there because she was going to show her how to relax. And she was going to say, 
I've got this now, young Catherine. Like, you don't have to worry. You don't have to use judgment anymore. You don't have to use critical tactics anymore. You don't have to be sullen anymore. You've been trying to, like, hold everything together for Catherine. But now I'm here. And I'm fun. (laughs) And I'm relaxed. And I'm in touch with nature. And I smoke a lot of weed. (laughs) Which is so funny because I do not smoke weed. Nothing against it. But it just does nothing for me. Um, And... And it was such a beautiful exchange between the two of them. And then it immediately had the effect. I was just so much more relaxed around this. And like this critical part of me that had been judging and attacking others and myself softened, totally softened, felt seen for the first time, felt understood, felt unburdened and felt like a responsible adult um, was in charge. I mean, a responsible adult, again, who smokes a lot of weed and is like a hippie. But, you know, that was what she needed for this part, right? So this was like a very, <laughs> a very beautiful mix and blend of, of this part's work, which is what I find incredibly effective for healing the inner critic. It's getting in touch with your inner child. It is helping that that child, that young part of you understand, they don't have to be responsible for whatever it is they think they're responsible for right now. We can unburden them and we can call forward a wise adult part who is going to take care of things. And so when that young, scared inner child feels soothed, feels safe, feels seen and validated, her critical voice, her fearful voice, her self-doubting voice that she's been using to try to keep you safe for so long it it just melts. It just does. And so that's like what I'm going to offer you in this workshop. And so let me tell you a little bit about this workshop and how it's going to go. So we're going to start off with the workshop, which I'm going to be explaining my philosophy and theory of the inner critic, what it is, how it develops. Um, so a little bit of what we've gone into in this podcast, we're just going to do it at a little deeper level. And then I'm going to be offering some exercises, so live journaling exercises for getting in touch with your inner critic around the goal in which you feel blocked. And the goal can be a way of being or a particular thing like starting a business or beginning to date or whatever. So we're going to connect those journaling exercises and we're going to find out how old the age is of your wounded inner child that is manifesting as your inner critic. And then we're going to talk to her. We're going to talk to her through journal um, exercises and letter writing and ceremony as well. So we're going to call her forward. And by call her forward, I'm going to lead you through um, a guided visualization and meditation to bring her forward in your mind's eye. And then what we're going to do is we're going to unburden her through this process. So we're going to validate her fears. And then we are going to let her know that this burden is no longer hers, that we are going to bring forward a wise adult part too. Then we're going to go through some more journaling exercises and some more guided visualization to call forward whoever is the the wise, empowered adult part of you that wants to come forward and help the scared child part. And then we're going to do ceremony with them where they interact, they, you know, talk to each other for the first time, and where the young part understands that this adult part is now in charge. So then we're going to do some follow up from there, some community sharing. I'm going to offer you some more resources. Because while I find what I'm going to offer to you on this workshop incredibly powerful, it's not like 100 gonna eradicate the inner critic forever and ever, right? It would significantly soften it, especially in the area in which you choose to work. But you know, 
I find new new layers and new levels of inner critics all the time. And now I have a process for working through them using this process. But um, I'm going to offer you more tactics that I use as well that you can deploy for yourself in the moment. So you're going to have tools and tactics and ideas going forward for how to continue to heal your inner critic too. So, so this is what I'm going to be doing. And this is how I healed my inner critic. And this is how I invite you to heal your inner critic too. It does not work to eradicate or ignore or banish or blame or shame the inner critic, right? Because that inner critic, in my opinion, is likely a wounded inner child in you, right? And how would an, how would a child who is shamed, blamed, ignored, asked to leave the house, how would that be for them? It would be awful. It would be painful, right? It wouldn't help the situation, But if that child is seen, validated, shown that she can be safe, told how you're going to, you know, take care of her and help her with the things she's worried about, then she relaxes and blossoms back into the creative, playful, joyful, tender child that is her birthright, right? And that's how we heal the inner critic. That's how I do it anyways. I do it with this mix of inner child work, parts work, ritual, ceremony, visualization, meditation, and journaling. And that's what we're going to be doing on the workshop that happens February 27th, at 7 p.m. Sunday. And I would love to have you there. This is a workshop that you'll be able to keep and use over and over again for other inner critics that may come up too. So the link to the show, uh, link to the workshops in the show notes, as well as the link to the new moon circle and my introduction to intentional dating um, waitlist. And I hope to you know, I hope that one of these offerings calls to you and and will help you because you are worthy of healing this inner critic. This inner critic is worthy of, of you, of being validated by you and, and of, of being talked to and seen and heard maybe for the first time in years by you too, so that she can be healed also, right? This is a healing experience both for you and your inner child. And when you're both healed and you're both in alignment and you both trust each other, then really magical things can happen. So I'll leave it at that. I hope to see you at the workshop. And if you have any questions about it, please don't hesitate to DM me on Instagram. Otherwise, sending you so much love for the week ahead, and I'll talk to you soon. That's it for this week's Sunday Soother. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you have a moment, go on over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. That's how other people find this podcast and the message of hope and compassionate personal growth I'm hoping to spread to many more people just like you. You can find me on Instagram at Katherine Andrews and find out more about The Sunday Soother at thesundaysoother.com. You can also check out my services, courses, and coaching at katherinedandrews.com. Have a great day ahead.